Good morning. A few days ago, the children and I went to the shop to buy some milk. When we were there, one of the children said, why are streetlights so tall? And I said, well, if they were really short, then their lights that they would cast would be really small and they'd be really useless. But instead, they're really high so that they cast a light to the street around. Jesus talks about us being like this, being a light to the world around us in the Sermon on the Mount, to be an influence to the people around us. It's slightly warmer and less windy inside. Today, we're going to be continuing our series on the Sermon on the Mount, looking at how Jesus calls us to influence the world around us. This part of the sermon immediately follows the Beatitudes that Phil has been talking to us about over the last couple of weeks. He has described how the poor, the sad, the empty, the humble, the persecuted, the peacemakers, the pure, are the ones who are blessed, which turns our earthly thinking on its head. Immediately after this, Jesus instructs his followers to be useful in their lives. Let's read the passage. It's from Matthew 5, 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavour? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. So who is this passage for? Well, it's a call for all of us. Christians are to be useful, to be an influence for good in the world. Now, it seems counterintuitive that the people from the Beatitudes, the poor and the sad and the bullied and the empty, the humble, could exert influence throughout the world. But Jesus is not sceptical about this. These are the people who Jesus wants to influence the world. It's not our definition of influential, is it? But it is Jesus's. Jesus calls those who the world may call lowly to be the influence. Perhaps that's why he used something so simple as salt. It may feel surprising to us. But it's not surprising when we look at who Jesus is. Where was Jesus born? Who was he born to? He came to this world as a humble baby in humble circumstances. But how influential was he? Now, I don't know if you've been following with their Lectio 365 app through the Beatitudes, but I loved a session last week that was talking about the meek being blessed. They highlight that Jesus was the ultimate example of leading out of humility. On Palm Sunday, we will often celebrate the triumphal entry, but it was a different sort of triumphal. Let's read from Matthew 21, 1 to 5. 
As Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go to the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you are doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Now the king that they had been waiting for for years had arrived, the one to fulfill the prophecies, and he comes in on a donkey and a young one, a colt at that. He doesn't choose a horse which would be perhaps more regal, he chooses a donkey. Jesus, the most influential figure ever, chose a donkey. So Jesus sets us the perfect example. The meek, the poor, the peacemakers, they are influential. So who's called to be influential? We are all called where we are. Okay, so how do we do this? Well, Jesus uses two simple metaphors for us in this passage, comparing us to salt and comparing us to light. He encourages us to influence the world and shows the consequences if we don't. If we're not these things, it's worthless. But if we are, our Heavenly Father will be praised. Okay, so what is, does it mean to be salty? Well, there's lots of uses for salt, so I'm just going to choose a few this morning. One of them is for healing. So it's a very, it's got very simple healing properties. So if you've perhaps got a sore throat or a dental issue, one thing that may help is to wash your mouth with salt water. Why? Because it helps clean the wounds and draws out the bad stuff. In the same way, we are called to alleviate situations that are just not right. This could be through feeding people at the community cafe, helping with the winter shelter or delivering food parcels, volunteering at Frontline or CAP or Basics Bank, or perhaps things closer to home like delivering a meal, phoning a friend, going for a walk, sending an encouraging card. It's about meeting people's needs and taking some of the bad stuff away and making it better. In Amos 5, it says, Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. God wants justice and healing to flow through us. He doesn't just want our songs of worship, but he wants us to partner in making bad situations just better. <laughs> Secondly, salt is a preservative. Now, the South Africans amongst us will be familiar with biltong, which is not something I'm a fan of. It's basically a meat that is cured so much with salt that it can keep indefinitely. Salt prevents food from going off. This would have been much more significant in biblical times where things like fridges weren't available. As Christians, part of our influence is to prevent things going off from them going bad. 
a couple of weeks ago, we had an amazing bunch of people on a next generation Zoom consultation. It was so humbling to hear the number of people who are investing in the lives of children and young people and improving their life chances. The work that many of these people are doing now could change the course of those children and young people's lives. They're changing the culture. It was also great to hear what Dave and Neil shared and um, about what the team are doing in Kibera last week in Zoom in the room. They are making changes that reset the course of, of lives. The culture is being changed. You see, our influence is for the long term. As salt of the earth, we are to preserve it and make things just not go bad. Finally, salt adds flavour. It makes things taste better. A friend of mine who I met through doing the local after school club a few years ago is such an amazing example of this. Uh, I live in a pretty good local community where it's got a good community feel. But a few months ago, she gathered together some of the school mums and decided to just put on some activities for the children in the area. We've had a nativity trail, fairy trail, Santa boxes. There's a Lego one at half term. She's brought out the flavour of the community. And one of the things I love about how she does it is it's not all about her. It's like she's sprinkling herself out over other people and bringing out their flavour. As Christians, we are called to uh, call out people's callings and help them find what it is that God wants them to do as well. We are to enhance the flavour of our communities. Jesus also likens the influence that we should have to light. We often think of Jesus as the light, the one who gives light to us. But Jesus says, you are the light. In Isaiah 42, 6 and 7, the nation of Israel are also called to be a light to all the nations. It reads, I, the Lord, have called you to demonstrate my righteousness. I will take you by the hand and guard you, and I will give you to my people, Israel, as a symbol of my covenant with them. And you will be a light to guide the nations. You will open the eyes of the blind. You will free the captives from prison, releasing those who sit in dark dungeons. So God used Israel to be a light to the Gentiles, to all the nations. He used Jesus to be a light to us. And he uses us to be a light to the world. Let's think for a moment about the influence that light has over darkness. If it's the morning and you go into a room and open up the curtains, then the light floods in. Well, <laughs> maybe it does in June, perhaps not in January always. The light expels the darkness. And Jesus says that we are to be this light, extinguishing darkness and helping people see opening the eyes of the blind, freeing the captives, and freeing those who sit in darkness. But what happens if we lose our saltiness or hide our light? Well, it's useless. Jesus is asking us to elevate our light to the highest place, to make it visible as possible. He says that we are to be like a city on a hill, shining for all people to see. 
in the interest of research, I tried to find out what the highest city in the UK was. I was hoping it would be Sheffield, but it's not. It's Bradford. Sheffield is the second highest city in the UK. And we used to live there. And I remember when we would drive past the city on the motorway, you could see in the distance all of the lights shining. You couldn't miss the city. But if I'm honest, I often feel like I don't want to be like that city on the hill. I don't want to be shining for everybody to see because I, I'm worried that people will see what I'm really like. But then if we think back over the last couple of weeks, God wants to use people with beatitude characteristics to be those who have influence. Why? Because when we realise our need for him, he fills us. It's really not about us at all. As Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, 5 and 7, just flick over. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so that we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. In our brokenness, God's glory can shine through. Our brokenness is far more of far more influence than our excellence. Alan Scott writes in Scattered Servants, our communities are drawn to brokenness more than excellence. We try to impress them with our brilliance, but our brokenness and imperfection are our greatest gifts. Now, I dropped out of university the first time round because I was low, anxious and, and couldn't cope. But when I moved to a different university, I ended up making friends with somebody who was really struggling with their mental health. I just got it. I got where she was coming from. She came along to church with me and she met Jesus. I was honest. I was broken. <laughs> but I had a hope living inside of me that gave her hope too. When there is less of us, there's more of God. And when there's more of God in us, our world gets to see more of God. And of course, his name is then praised. Okay, back to our streetlights. The streetlights, to be useful, have to be spread out, not all bunched up in one corner, so that they cast light to the whole street rather than just one place. Similarly, if we have salt on our dinner, we scatter it across the whole plate, so the whole plate has flavour. And this is like us. If we gather together all the time, then we're not so influential to the world around us. But as we scatter, we're able to bring influence to where we are. As New Community Church, we want to follow the call to see changed lives and transform communities. And to do that, each one of us needs to let our light shine where we are. Slightly less noisy back inside. Well, certainly for a moment anyway. <laughs> 
perhaps you don't feel that you you've got anywhere to be influential right now you may feel like your influence stretches from your front door to your back door and no further but whether or not you are working on the front line of the covid crisis or you're at home staying safe we all have a front line in the kingdom i don't mean a front line with covid I mean a front line where we meet people who don't know Jesus and who are desperately in need of him. That may be at work, on your street, over Zoom school, in our families, at the corner shop. And we all have influence in that space. We all have a front line. So I wonder, how do we respond? How can we bring saltiness and light to that place? How can we heal or preserve, enhance the flavour or shine light into these spaces? Jesus is calling us to be useful, to be an influence to our world because it gives him glory. To come in our humility, our poverty, our sadness, our purity to a world that is broken. He calls the broken to influence, to remember that we are jars of clay, fragile, but carrying his light to the world. Now, as we finish on a really practical note, I would really love to recommend a couple of books to you. One is Scattered Servants, which we've mentioned quite a lot by Alan Scott. And one is Fruitfulness on the Frontline by Mark Green. And both of these are great resources in us starting to think about how we can serve God wherever we are. I'd really recommend reading these and chatting them through with your connect group or your pattern group as we discover what is our front line. Where has God placed us to bring his light? Now, just as we finish, I'd, I'd love to pray. Now, I, I sense it would be really good to pray for people who perhaps feel like they've lost some of their saltiness. Perhaps over the time of COVID, you feel like you've lost something. Perhaps you feel ashamed and you don't want to elevate your light high like a street light anymore. I'd love to pray for you. So as we close, we're going to do that. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are with us right now. Wherever we are, you are with us. I pray for your peace to be made known in everyone. Father, I pray especially for those of us that feel like we've lost some of our saltiness or feel too ashamed to let your light shine through us. I pray that we would know that nothing can separate us from your love. In our brokenness, we come to you and say we're sorry. We know that you are so faithful to forgive us and that your power is made perfect in our weakness. We want to let your light shine through us once again. Thank you that you love us. Amen.